You know, it's an honor to get to uh, share with you all today and to kind of finish up our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. Has this been helpful for anyone the last several weeks? I actually talked to a guy this week in the coffee shop. Oh, wow, we got some, oh, some applause there. That's all right, all right, good. I talked to a guy from our church in the coffee shop this week and he said, can we just plan to do this every year? Like in the winter time when we all get depressed about the winter time. Um, so we'll see, we have to talk about that on the teaching team, but it's an honor too, to be up here for the first time ever, um, with my wife. We've never, um, preached together or shared. Cause I don't public speak. So sorry, <laughs> sorry in advance. Oh. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've even mentioned it before and you were like, no, no, not my thing. So. Not your thing. So, um, yeah. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. I'm Amy. I'm John's wife. Um, we have three kids, Carter, Addie and Easton. I don't know if their picture's coming up, but Yeah, they're 10, 8, and 6, and I am a nurse practitioner. I work at Spectrum and Ada a couple days a week, so. Yeah, and you do a lot of other things around here, too. She's on the the board for Fromm, um, is, uh, yeah, so she's on the board at Fromm and is on safety team here, worship team, has been in Kid Zone, all kinds of stuff. You kind of volunteer, you're a, you're a doer. There are doers out there. Um, Amy's a doer, and um, so. Yeah, it's just a, a privilege that we get to be um, up here to share with you today. Um, the last several weeks, we've been going through this, this series of winning the war in your mind. And if you remember week one, we're just gonna do a quick recap. Week one, we talked about the battlefield that is the mind. It doesn't really take a lot of convincing, um, uh, but we just kind of leveled the playing field. Like we are all in a battle in our minds, right? And, and Jason shared that week and we talked from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the strongholds. We demolish strongholds and we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. And then week two, we talked about lies versus truth and declarations of truth. We have an enemy, his name is Satan. Satan literally in Hebrew means the accuser. That's what it means, it's the accuser. And he accuses us, he lies over and over um, about who we are. And so week two, we talked about truth, declaring truth over our lives um, a- instead of believing the lies. Last week, yeah, last week, Ryan spoke on just the importance of reframing our thinking and moving from that place of negativity, shifting towards more positive mindsets and focus. So, yeah, I rem- the illustration wasn't that illustration helpful last yeah. week of like just taking the frame. Um, and shifting it a little bit. And this week we're talking about anxiety and worry. And we're talking about our story. We're gonna kind of peel back the curtain a little bit um, into what's happened in our lives in the last several years. But in order to do that, it was three years ago almost exactly that you did a story video um, and shared a little bit about parenting and stress and control. And um, most of you didn't, get to experience that because even if you were here at Impact, we had uh, church canceled that weekend because of a snowstorm. So we'd like to show that to kind of give a taste. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd kind of like to show that to give a taste of where, where we were um, a few years ago. Let's check this out. My name's Amy Bell. My husband, John, is the community life pastor at Impact, and we've been here for almost eight years this summer. 
We love this town, we love our home, we love this community. There's a huge variety of people. It's like a melting pot, honestly. Some people have these crazy experiences and they've totally come from who knows where. Then there's a lot of people that have just are just like me, where it's like, you know, maybe they've had a really normal life, but everyone falls somewhere. And there's often just this perception of people in leadership at churches, pastors, pastors' wives, pastors' families, that everything is just so, and they've got everything just as it should be. That's not the case for me, for our family, for our marriage. We definitely strive for that, but just knowing that that's not always the case. I'd say it was pretty early on in our, our marriage that we kind of realized like we're struggling with communicating. I don't do a great job of like verbalizing things at times. I tend to like put things down, stuff them in. We're very innately selfish people and then throw us together and that can be really evident. We did go see a counselor and we've been there several times since then. That was huge and I mean we still remember things we talked about in those sessions. The other huge like struggle for me as of recently has been our kids. I feel like my primary job is a stay-at-home mom five days out of the week. I get to work two days a week in a doctor's office. Back in the fall, I was like, I can't hardly even think about spending more time with my kids because they are just literally driving me crazy. Just I, everything was a battle. They made my life more challenging, more than they made it more enjoyable. One night we decided to have some friends over and so there was like a bunch of kids here and I couldn't even like enjoy being with people because I was just so um, wound so tightly. Worrying about like what they were doing and like were they making a mess or like are they, you know, destroying my house. I was realizing so much of my upset as it pertained to my kids was like, I want to control what they're doing. I want to control how they're acting because it's ultimately a reflection of me. If I don't talk to people at church, it's because I'm literally chasing my three-year-old towards the lemonade thing where he will most certainly spill it everywhere or I could just see him running through the cafe naked. God has given me grace because I fail, I mess up, and He gives me grace in spite of it. So I'm trying to like adopt that mentality even with my own kids. Like I deserve to show them the same grace I've been given. I still have sin in my life. I still have selfishness that I deal with. I have control issues at times. I'm not perfect and and that's the same in God's eyes, whether it's, you know, these daily sins that are seemingly insignificant or these huge things that people are overcoming. Part of what's been so huge for my growth would be just the community that we're surrounded by. We have gained deep friendships just even through our life group experiences. People that we will forever be friends with, even if we're not still in life groups together, just because we've shared so much over the years and just gone deep with each other. Every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So, yeah, that was.
so that was 2018, which seems like forever ago to yeah. all of us. Um, yeah, and we and, do love our kids. Yeah, I feel so bad about that. <laughs> I feel like I was exaggerating for, you know, dramatic effect. <laughs> they were in here last night, and they watched it back then, too, but they were like, you didn't want to be around us. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Uh, but I was stressed. So, and I was overwhelmed. So that was kind of what I was trying to get up. So anyway. And now so, looking back, you're like. I know. And I'm like, oh, that was so cute. <laughs> so much has happened since then. Yeah. So, if only you knew then what yeah. you know now. So yeah. In the context of that video, I don't even know what the series was. But Jason was like, hey, we do story, you know, story videos about all kinds of people. And they're mostly really like dramatic. Let's do one about you. You're kind of average. I don't know. Just like you seem like an average person. Kind of a normal person with let's, let's get a video not about these you. rags to riches, you, you know, story. So But what is normal? Right. You yeah. know, I mean even the uh, even the misnomer of normalcy is that you see us come up on stage, you see Amy come up and lead worship and you don't know what you're going to know from the last... You don't know the half of it. No, Yeah, you don't know what you're going to know from the last six months. So that was the the idea behind the video was just kind of an average person's struggles, basically. So, and you can hear some themes there of talking about wanting to control things and wanting, you know, worrying and feeling like uptight at times. So that was back in 2018. So then we'll fast forward to what we all know and love over the past two years, you know, specifically with COVID and um, thinking back to March 2020 and how all of us, you know, our lives changed dramatically. And um, I said this last night, but I just want to acknowledge that what we're sharing is what we've been through. And it's been really hard, some of the hardest years of our lives. But I want to acknowledge just, I know so many people had terrible things happen over the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, the loss of a job or the death of a family member or um, divorce or just all these really, really big things. So I don't want our sharing, I just want to acknowledge that I know everyone's situation has been different. So what we hope to do is kind of, um, uh, release or combat the stigma, um, that you have to have everything together. One of our values out on our, um, out on our word wall is authenticity and transparency. And that's what we fight for as a church. And it's, um, and I'm just proud of you for being willing to step up here and, and share some of that for, from your heart and from your story. Um, yeah, so we were going back through just the last couple of years, and I was reading through my journal. I was like, this has been traumatic. Just thinking back through things that we've all experienced with our jobs, our jobs shut down. I, you know, our kids were suddenly homeschooled and doing virtual school and we were trying to entertain them all the while not being able to go anywhere. We couldn't see our friends. We couldn't come to church. Um, Just all the differences in opinion and conflicts that were arising just one after the next, racial tensions, um, just everything. It was is so much. And then just all the difference in opinions and shifts in your friendships and family relationships where Things are not what they once were, and everyone can't seem to agree on anything. So, um, yeah, and I, I work in healthcare. So, when this all happened, they were like, hey, can you come work in the ICU? 
and I work in a doctor's office now. I used to be an ICU nurse, but that was 10 years ago. So just the stress of what's going to happen? Do I have to go in there? And um, then just everything with all the difference in opinion with masking and vaccines and mandates and people mad at me in the office and chewing me out on things. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't do anything. So it was just a lot. I'm just, it, the, I'm just the messenger. I know. So um, just, yeah, it's just been so much and um, just unrelenting for the last couple of years and these roller coasters of, hap of things happening. So, so where did you um, so I think I've shared this with our church, but back in July, I started, um, I got into counseling um, for myself individually. And in the fall, what I've not shared is in the fall, our family um, really almost holistically uh, hit some really hard places. So where did you find yourself in the fall from all of these, um, all of these things? So yeah, after everything as it's played out over the last couple of years, I, this fall, I, I found myself just depressed. I was down. I had really no motivation to do much of anything, which is not like me. Um, I felt really hopeless with the state of our world. Like, is this ever going to get better? Cause it hasn't, it's not, you know, up to this point. Um, I was really angry a lot of the time with much of the issues that just keep coming up. I'm like, how, can we just, can we just glide for a little while? And it just wasn't happening. So, um, yeah, I just felt ostracized at times for certain opinions. No one could agree on anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's what we've all lived through. So, um, we've had, we've yeah. had, we've had discussion. I mean, we've not seen eye to eye on everything and it feels like all of those issues or differences or polarizations have just been, uh, I think kind of exacerbated in the last several years. So we've had the discussions between ourselves, like we're not always, do you see eye to eye with anyone um, 100%? No. And um, so that's that's been part of it for, yeah. for you as well so for us. So one of our kids started um, having some issues, which we'll get into a tiny bit later, but um, through getting this child in to see a counselor and stuff, we started seeing some things related to anxiety and started to kind of look inward. Um, is this something that we're doing as parents that's leading this kid to have struggles with this? And um, just looking inward. And I was talking to Erica, my friend Erica Martino, who many of you know, um, and she was, she was like, do you, do you want to know what I think? And Erica's a counselor. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know that, yeah. Joe and Erica are and, counselors uh, and really like, good friends of right, ours. Yeah. So I was like, of course, like, please help me. And, um, so in talking about us, she was like, well, I mean, John can be anxious at times with certain situations. This is true. And yes. And, and she was like, I think you are an anxious person. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I do not identify as that. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so upsetting for some reason because I'm always, I'm like, I'm chill. Okay. I, I can be like, go with the flow. I can be whatever's fine. Just I'm a, I'm cool. I'm chill. I'm always not anxious. Cool. Yep. Um, so that was kind of what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, and there was, I mean, 
for real, when we're looking back on that, that was, that was in October, there was just a lot of crying. There was a lot of brokenness. Um, I, at one point, said, I think you're being defensive. Guys, that doesn't work out very well. Do not recommend. <laughs> um, Find a different word. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so someone know. can come and counsel but me afterward was. and tell me how to... Um, it so, really was. It was this culmination of everything, like... You're down. You don't feel good. Your kids messed up. You have problems. It was just everything. So, yeah. So that's where we were this fall. It's just it was yeah. a lot. And we're gonna share a little bit more about what we did then, um, because it's one thing to have uh, circumstances happen to you, and we've all had that. We can all go back through the last several years. We can all go back through the last decade. Really through our whole lives. We could go and catalog. These are the moments that were really, really hard. Um, so it's it, that, we each, each of us can do that on different levels. Um, we want to get to a place through God's word about, okay, what do we do? How do we find hope? That's what the series has been about. How do you win the, notice the, the title, win the war. There is a war. Um, if you're unaware of it, you're living under a rock. There is a war. How do we win the war? And, and we've said this over and over again, and we're going to do this again today. We're going to go to God's word. We believe in the truth from God's word. We believe in what it does for us. We believe that it's living and active, that it has something to say to each of us today. It was written 2,000 years ago. Uh, or 3,000 years ago, depending on the time, time period. But it, it was written long ago, but we believe that it's inspired. We believe that it's living and active. Um, amen? Yeah. And so we're going to go to God's word. We've been, um, we've been all over the place um, in the New Testament, and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, and the early church was not without their fair share of adversity or tumultuous events. Um, as we unpack anxiety and its antidote today, we're gonna read from Philippians, one of, one of my favorite books of the Bible. And just for some context, Paul is in prison. Um, he's likely under house arrest. He has a guard that is um, stationed with him at all times. He does not have freedoms. He does not have uh, the, the autonomy or agency, he is in prison. And yet he writes this powerful book to this, this group of early, um, early church believers. Um, he had been beaten, he'd been whipped, he'd been stoned, he'd been persecuted in ways that are hard for us to even fathom. And yet he writes about a mindset that's not dictated by his circumstances. Um, he gives us a, a little um, antidote, like a spoonful of the secret sauce um, of anti-anxiety and how to find peace today. Um, so let's read, read from Philippians chapter four. Yeah, so this is Philippians four, four through nine. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah, we're going to get into some of these principles that Paul lays out here in this passage, and we've said this almost every week, um, but Craig Rochelle um, said uh, in his book, uh, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. And so we're going after thoughts. We're going after these principles right from God's word. And he starts, Paul starts with this principle and it's found in verse four. um, And we're calling it the rejoice principle. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Does anyone remember that song? Do you remember singing a song? Rejoice in the Lord. Hey, hey, you know. Um, maybe ride, you guys could do that sometime up here. No. That, no, maybe not. Let's not do that. Rejoice principle, rejoice always. Um, one of the things that we've been doing as a staff in the last several years to uh, make sure that we're not just problem solving is we start a lot of our meetings with what are you celebrating Um, A lot of our next-gen meetings that I've led with our uh, student ministry and our kids' kids ministry, I've asked this question, what are you celebrating right now? What's gone well? Because it's easy for leaders to either be looking forward or to be problem-solving. Okay, we're going to take inventory of what what went wrong, and we're going to make some adjustments and changes. No, what, what are you celebrating? What's good? Um, Paul says, and again, he's in prison, and he says, rejoice always, not rejoice some of the time. And that's not based on your circumstances. That's not based on uh, external fact, factors or issues. Uh, that's an internal peace from God. That's an internal joy from God. Let's yeah. go to the next one. And then one. verse five is the um, gentleness principle. So let your gentleness be evident to all. So I don't know if anyone else has had any hard times with gentleness um, over the last little bit here too. So, I mean, I, I had to take a little break from social media and I'm sorry for anything I said that was hurtful through the last couple of years. But um, yeah, just the importance of gentleness in spite of what we're going through. So um, yeah, just, and it says to all. So that's people you're dealing with and that's also yourself. So we tend to be our worst enemy and our worst critic at times. And the verse is not be gentleness to people around you. It's yeah, be gentle to all and self-included. Yeah. It's interesting to me that um, gentleness is one of the fruit of the spirit. Paul talks about it here. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he starts off the Sermon on the Mount with what we know as the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, he kind of changes what we view as blessing or as blessed. And he says, blessed are the pure and blessed are the poor. And we're like, wait a minute, I thought you're blessed when you're rich. That doesn't make any sense. And one of the things he says, blessed are the meek. I don't don't know if you've seen the word meek or gentle show up on a resume, but that's not like, these aren't CEO top 500 attributes. I am the meekest person you'll ever meet. (laughs) You should hire me. No, it's like, we want a visionary. We want a leader, strength, assertive, decisive, forward thinking, meek, (laughs) gentle. It's just not a popular attribute. And yet it's a kingdom attribute. Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to everyone. And that's to your, as Amy said, that's to yourself and that's to others around you. 
Uh, the, sec- the next one we're going into is the worry principle. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything. Hmm. We're just gonna meditate we're on that? We're just gonna sit there. Just gonna linger. Let's all just think about that for a little bit. Do not be anxious about anything. This word, um, this word in the Greek is the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter six when he says, "Do not worry about tomorrow." What? Who of you can add any time to your life by worrying? And then Jesus is like, "Look at the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. Doesn't your heavenly Father take care of them?" I mean, the the flowers are adorned uh, more than Solomon in all of his splendor. The birds, uh, uh, the birds of the air, they they're fed. They they have food from their Father in heaven. So you should not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. That's what Jesus says, and it's the same word that Paul says here. Do not be anxious. This is this is what we do, and it's who we are. It, and Paul uses it really more like an adjective describing who we are. Jesus is using it as a verb, it's action and it's description. Who we are and what we do, this isn't a part of, um, of believers. This is not to be a part of believers. Um, Groeschel uh, said it this way in the book and he's talking about worry. He says, worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. Worthy, worry is essentially saying, God, I don't trust you. And I think too, it, I don't know why the word be anxious is kind of triggering or something. I don't know. It's like, um, what because if- Because you were called anxious yeah, probably. Maybe. <laughs> so it's but I triggering. Think, uh, yeah. Because I feel like even the term is like, oh, well, this is some diagnosis. It's like, what about don't try to control things or don't, just think about something over and over. Yeah, that, was <laughs> or, kind of, that was kind of revelatory for you back in the fall when you talked about it. Don't ruminate on this thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, those are all the same. So I yeah. don't know why calling it that feels different than like, don't think about things all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just keep thinking about it. No. Yeah. And we want to talk a little bit about where anxiety, like this, it's natural. It's actually our default. Ryan shared about our default going to negativity. It's our default. Um, like physiologically that we would move toward worry or anxiety over trust and calm and peace. Let's talk, I mean, you're the medical professional. Talk a little (laughs) bit about the brain. Well, it's been a minute since I studied anatomy and physiology, but we have a diagram. I don't have a laser pointer. I wish I did. No. Um, So yeah, this part of our brain, the little red one, the amygdala is it's God-given. It is, you know, it's intended for survival and um, helping us survive to adulthood. Uh, But it's just, it goes crazy sometimes with reacting to stress or um, fight or flight. Just, it wants to just go berserk. So uh, fortunately, we also have this prefrontal cortex, which is kind of more of the executive function part of our brain that helps with decision-making and is more logical and rational um, and kind of puts on the brakes when yeah. our amygdala wants to go nuts. And it responds, here's the, here's the bummer for all of us, it responds slower. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how many nanoseconds, but it, 
it measurably responds slower than your amygdala. Your amygdala responds first. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's a, there was a noise in the house. There's a robber. It's probably a serial killer. And we're all gonna die. And then the prefrontal cortex catches up and is like, easy there, big fella. All right, it was the cat. And, and, that's, and then it goes back and forth and it's the amygdala reacts, the prefrontal cortex regulates. Here's also the bummer is that the prefrontal cortex is part of the frontal lobe that doesn't... It just doesn't really develop fully till people are in their mid-20s. So that's why teenagers and tweens end up doing all this crazy stuff because yeah. they just... That's don't, why I they don't was, know the concept of consequences. Sometimes. That's why when we started dating, I was high risk insurance. Yeah. Uh, as a driver, because I had too many speeding tickets. You just couldn't drive. You couldn't afford your insurance. <laughs> yeah. My so insurance. I had, to, went, I had to soccer mom you around yeah, here practice. For real, and all it's this amazing stuff. that we're even here. That she even kept dating me because I was like, I can can't I get a drive. ride? I've got a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, so. but yeah, I mean, um, my amygdala took over a lot when I was in the driver's seat. I just want to drive. I just want to drive faster. I want to. I want to make the decision. And it wasn't logic that was making the decision. It was emotion that was making the decision. And then the hippocampus stores all of those things. And so, um, again, the amygdala can be. It's really helpful early on in life because you have a child that reaches up to touch the stove and they get burnt, and they're not going to touch the stove again because they react, the amygdala goes off and then the hippocampus stores that memory. It's like, stove, hot. Or, you're, or they're about to cross the street and you freak out, you're like, no, 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 no! And then they freak out and they start crying and they realize, street, bad. And so the amygdala does really good things for us. But for so many of us, um, we have story, we have things from our stories that have allowed fear or anxiety or worry to kind of wedge itself right in our, right in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds and, they, and it paralyzes us, right? Has it paralyzed you? And the amygdala just I just, this havoc. is so to, totally unrelated, but my name is right in amygdala. So, it's, uh, it sure I was is. like, wow, this is telling. That's something. So that's my new nickname. I, I'm not uh, allowed to bring that up any, ever again. Hey, amygdala, right? <laughs> come here, amygdala. No. This isn't a nickname. <laughs> so. Yeah, and this is, um, you know, this is pervasive in our culture that the amygdala is just out of control. Um, in 2020, or actually from, from December 2019 to fall of 2021, there was a 30% increase in ER visits for mental health. In 2020, mental health pediatric visits, these are for kids, increased 25% in children 5 to 11. 5, age 5 to 11. 30% in children 12 to 17. Now listen to this statistic. Anxiety disorders affect 25% of children between 13 and 18 years old. And those numbers, from my perspective, from what I'm watching, just keep climbing. They just keep climbing. And these are diagnosable numbers. These are like, you have been diagnosed. This isn't just, hey, let's do a poll and who's felt anxiety this week? Who's felt fear? Who's felt worry this week? Who's been paralyzed 
with a decision or a situation this week. And then those numbers even go higher. Um, Depression, major depressive disorder. Um, There are 16 million American adults, and that's a major depression. Um, uh, 40 million adults with anxiety disorders, the most common uh, mental illnesses in the US. This This is the state of our culture, and um, we are in desperate need of Philippians chapter four type of work from the Lord. The peace of God, the God of peace, he's with you. The peace of God, it guards you. The peace of God, it feels like peace is so fleeting today. And it shows up in all of these statistics. Let's talk, we, back in the fall, we, we kind of shared this um, a little bit already but we're gonna come back to it now. Um, In the fall, we kind of realized we have become one of these statistics. Our child has has this. One of our kids is showing these symptoms that are very, very alarming. And when we addressed them with our child, um, it was not received well. And then again, going back to crying, a lot of... Inward, inward, like crying, weeping, praying, uh, reciting scripture. Uh, share a little bit about what that was like oh, for yeah. us. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, we were noticing some pretty drastic changes that um, were not typical. And it was really yeah. alarming and um, just concerned for this kiddo's just physical health, well-being. So we quickly, you know, sought some help and got them into counseling. And pretty early on, the counselor was like, yeah, this kid's anxious, and um, these are all sort of side effects and symptoms of that. So we just, it kind of hit home really with that, and yeah. we just were kind of blindsided with it too, so. Yeah, and that's one of the most humbling places as a parent, and as a, pa- I'm, a I'm a pastor. Um, so the accusation, you know, the the words or the whispers from Satan, the lies, were, you're, you're a pastor, you can't even pastor your own child. Remember the ages of our 10, eight, and six. I, I heard lies like, you're not, you're not qualified to help anyone else. You can't even help your own family. How in the world can, and all of these ac- accusations that kind of stymie and stifle and paralyze. And so I just want you to know, parents, we're in that with you. If that's one of you out here that um, your kids uh, need support and help as it pertains to anxiety or worry um, or addictions or anything, we're in that too. Um, it was one of the most humbling things I've, we've had to do as parents is say, we can't fix this. We need help from others. We need community, right? We need community. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, to the, the next one's next the, one. the prayer principle from verse six. In every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. So I don't know if anyone else doesn't necessarily, that's not the first thing that your brain does, is decides, I'm going to pray about this. Because I don't know, it's just not what my, that's not what I typically do. But just how important that is um, to make those requests to God because. He cares, and he wants to help us. And um, yeah, I mean, so many of us are um, we're 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 people who um, go to what is seen before. And so you've heard this phrase like, "Well, 
all we can do now is pray. And it's just a funny phrase of futility, like as if that's um, powerless. Um, I wonder if God's like, I mean, that should have been your first thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, all we can, but this prayer principle, um, Groeschel wrote a little bit about it. Yeah, in the book, um, he well. references a couple different of these like neuropsychologists and who've done research and studies. And um, one of them showed that prayer can regulate and decrease the amygdala's fight or flight response just by some of that reframing and, and giving things over to God. And then another study by this person who has all of these terms behind their name, but uh, a cognitive and metacognitive neuropsychologist. That's so interesting. But um, just 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be seen on brain scans and imaging. So that's, that's crazy. Isn't that amazing? Some of you, your take home today for fighting anxiety and fear and worry, it needs to be that. I'm going to make 12 minutes a day um, because it's actually been clinically proven that it reshapes your brain. It changes your brain. Um, and change your mind, change your actions, change your life. Like we're talking about winning the war in your mind. I, we're kind of blown away yeah. by that. Um, the next one here, and you'll notice we, we skipped over this phrase. Did you notice what phrase we skipped over? With thankfulness. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, this is the thankfulness principle, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You guys have had um, kind of a yeah. similar... You mentioned just starting these meetings and stuff at yeah. Spectrum, all these kind of boring meetings and stuff sometimes we go to, they're like, grateful moment. What's our first thing? What's, what's going good? Um, and that just helps with this re reframing, refocusing, focusing on things we do have to be grateful for, thankful for our team. Yeah. So. Yeah, the practice of thankfulness and gratitude is recommended by uh, multiple counselors, probably most counselors. And, um, and they, they actually, they'll actually say that it, that it helps remold, um, that there is neuroplasticity in your brain, that your brain... Um, can be reshaped and remolded. A little bit of what we talked about with prayer, the same thing happens with gratitude and with thanksgiving. So when you focus and you intentionally think about the things that you're thankful for, um, it begins to change your mindset. It fights anxiety and worry. Let's go to the, the next one. Um, yeah, the thought principle. So verse eight, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So yeah, that was one thing that was really uh, helpful for me was, again, Erica sent me this list of these cognitive distortions, which are patterns of thinking that are not right and not true. And even in psychology, you know, there's these categories of thinking similar to some logical fallacies that it's like, this is not true. Even though you want to think this way, God says this is how we should think. So or it's even, I mean, I love even the word that it's a distortion. So it takes something that is or could be, you could, you could make a case for it being partially true. It's just not fully true. It's just distorted. And man, isn't that easy for all of us to do is to take 
a truth or a gift and just to skew it enough that it spoils it. Um, we're going we're gonna to just real quick um, uh, talk through some of these cognitive distortions. We got them up here on the screen. Uh, first one is polarized thinking. When people habitually think in extremes, black and white, all or nothing thinking. Um, you talk about this in counseling. Dan, we've talked about this in freedom appointments. These really extreme kind of superlative, I'm always overlooked. No one loves me. If you find yourself using these black or white uh, polarized thinking, you likely have cognitive distortion. Um, and we got to fight that. And then overgeneralization is reaching a conclusion about one event and then applying it to everything else. So this happened one time, this is gonna happen next time. Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, catastrophizing. Um, this is where you take something small, like I got an F on the exam, and you um, snowball it to where eventually I'm going to be homeless and, uh, and no one's going to love me and my whole family is going to abandon me. And it's like, well, because you got the F, you're gonna fail and then this and this and this and this and this and, and, and you take it, that's catastrophizing. Yeah. You were also, didn't Eric also tell you that you were? She did. Yeah. So, yeah. no. <laughs> it's like, don't we all kind of do that though? No. I don't know. Yeah, we shared about that in our life group. Um, again, Kate was sharing about life groups. If you're not in a life group, get in one. If, you're in, if you can't find one, start one and get some people around you. Um, but we shared in our life group about catastrophizing. One of the guys in our group, um, he's working on his uh, counseling degree. And this term uh, got brought up. And he was like, well... We kind of all catastrophize at some at some point. I mean, we all take the small thing and we blow it out. You, you've heard the phrase "making a mountain out of a molehill." Mm -hmm. That's it. That's catastrophizing. Yeah, and then personalization, um, taking things personally when they're not connected or caused, like they're not at you at all. They're always thinking about me. Right? I mean, I assume that was about me. There's, someone's probably talking about me right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, mind reading, when people assume that they know what others are thinking. Yeah, mind, mind filtering. The next one, ignoring positives um, and focusing exclusively on negatives. Ryan talked a little bit about that last yeah, week. Similarly, discounting the positive, only focusing on the negative and not, not acknowledging anything positive at all. Yeah, should statements. Um, this is, this is self-accusing, like I should be this, I ought to be this. Um, Again, an, uh, a cognitive distortion. Um, the next one, emotional reasoning, this false belief that your emotions are the truth. How many of you have ever fallen prey to that one? I know my truth. My, this is my truth, you know? Um, and because I feel this way, this is, what is, this is what is reality, or this is what is true. Um, your emotions are great. God gave you your emotions, but they are fickle, and um, they are not good uh, foundations um, for you to base all of your reality and life upon. So, And then labeling, um, kind of demeaning yourself or others down to single characteristics like a drunk or a failure or anxious. <laughs> or anxious. I mean, some of this happens even with personality tests. I hear this from people all the time. Like, I'm an extrovert, so I just always have to be around people. I'm like, I don't think that's healthy. I'm an introvert. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere ever. I, just, no. I don't like that's people. That's not me, actually. <laughs> right? so, so this happens with other, 
other things, other parts of labeling as well. So these become cognitive distortions. Instead, Paul says this, think on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. This was one of the first verses I ever memorized as a kid because um, when I was in elementary school, I, I had nightmares really bad. In fact, I had night terrors. Um, there was a, a time where I stayed the night at a friend's house. His name was Derek. And, um, and his, I woke up his parents on the other side of the house screaming. That's in, why we do not do sleepovers. <laughs> the thought of a kid waking up screaming in my house, I, that haunts my dreams. It is kind of a horror movie. I mean, it sounds really creepy. So I'm like, I need to go back, track them down and be like, I apologize <laughs> for that. I don't know what happened there. So, um, but what my parents did in combating lies and combating fear is we quoted this almost every night. And now I found myself doing that with my kids like just last night, we prayed some of this same prayer of Philippians 4. Okay, think on these things. Put these things into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Our, our last principle here is the practice principle. Um, it's found in verse nine. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put into practice. The word here in Greek um, is also can also be translated as like experience. Um, you did this if you were ever on a uh, on a sport team or ever played an instrument. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes you keep doing it out of rote memory. You don't have to think about catching the ball. You just do it because you've caught the ball so many times, or you've kicked that ball, or you've played that instrument. You you know how to do it. That's practice. Put it into practice. Um, sometimes I choose to do things out of obedience that I don't feel like doing, but that ultimately help change my mind and my life. Some of you need to do that. You don't feel like eating healthy. You don't feel like working out. You don't feel like reading God's word. You don't feel like setting aside time for, for prayer, but you do it and you trust that God uses that to change your life. Put into practice, Paul says. Um, so we're going to sing a song here. Um, in, in closing, but why don't you just share kind of, um, you know, October, you hit this place where you're like, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm dealing with all of these things. What have you done practically um, to fight for stasis, to fight to win the war in your mind against anxiety? Yeah, so you mentioned that we, we've been in counseling several times, but I mean, that was summer of 2020 for me. That was like you this last fall. That was me this fall, our kid this fall. Um, just trying to choose intentionally to be in community too. So yeah, and we've got we, some of these up on the screen and I would yeah. just encourage you to choose, choose one. We, um, staying connected with our life group and, and close friends that we could share with our family, like what was going on. Um, I was like, I need help from my doctor. <laughs> so, I mean, I went in, I got on medication. I was like, I can't just get off. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps this time. So that's yeah. been tremendously helpful. So, but spending time in God's word. I mean, yeah. I joined a, a ladies group here at um, the SOAR group just for some um, kind of accountability and like structure with like Bible reading and And, and we've prayer. got, and we have some of those up on the screen. I mean, there's life groups, there's grace groups. Our care team started grace groups about a year ago and they combine 
uh, it combines a study of God's word with some of these conversations about mental health. There's one on Saturday nights. There's one on Tuesday nights. We're working on one for high schoolers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that that was everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Mindfulness and prayer was, I think, yeah. the last one yeah. for you, too. Just trying to, to train yourself to turn to God with those those struggles and those worries and those like thoughts and yeah. not trying to do it on your own. So, yeah, we've got a few others that will, that we're going to put up here on the screen daily, make a list of things you're thankful that God is doing. Choose thankfulness, learn Philippians four, four through nine, commit it to memory, recite it when you're feeling anxious, declare God's word over your life. You know, take hold of that amygdala and make it obedient to Christ. I'm not gonna be ruled by fear. I'm not gonna be ruled by anxiety. I'm gonna be ruled by the truth from God's word. And he has some profound truth in Philippians chapter four that we just talked through. Commit to praying 12 minutes each day. Prayer rewires your brain. Immerse yourself in scripture. Fight fear and anxiety with truth from God's word. Um, we're gonna close here with a song. Can, and uh, you'll notice that there were a couple things that we um, that we didn't mention um, in the text. And uh, they were not parts, what we mentioned were all the things that Paul says for us to do. What we didn't mention is what God does. If you noticed in verse five, it said, after be, let your gentleness be evident to all, it says this, the Lord is near. Some of you need to hear today that God is right with you in your mental battle. He's right with you in your spiritual struggle. He's right with you in the thing that makes you most anxious, the most afraid, the most worried. He's with you. And then he goes on and he says, put these things into practice. And he says, and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the God of peace will be with you. Church, as you as you do these things, as you commit to fighting this battle to win the war in your mind, God's peace is promised and God's presence is promised. That's good news for us. We're gonna sing this song about God's peace. Um, and this is our daughter, Addison. Everyone say hi to Addison. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, it was just, I don't know, a few weeks ago that we um, were listening to some music at our house and something had happened at home where Addie was uh, upset and was crying and we turned on Hillsong Young and Free um, and this song came up and we decided, you know, we're going to learn this. We're going to commit this to memory. We're going to use this to combat anxiety and fear. Um, yeah, you ready to sing? Yeah, all right.
So God, we just thank you that you are the God of peace. We thank you that you are the, that you give us this promise of peace, that you are our Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. That when our minds wreak havoc, that you come in and you speak truth. God, thank you that, that we have power through the Holy Spirit, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit um, to take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ, that, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we can take our thoughts and think about good and true and right things and that the God of peace will be with us, that we can choose not to be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our request to God and that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus today. We love you, God. Thank you for your love for us, for your grace for us, for your peace to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, as you're dismissed, if you wanna come forward, we got our prayer team up here. If you need to talk and wanna get real with some people about anxiety and worry and uh, get free, um, in your heart and in your mind, feel free to come forward. You're dismissed at this time. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you next week.